power which resides in him is new in nature, and none but he knows what that is which he can do, nor does he know until he has tried. Trust thyself, every heart vibrates to that iron string. Whoso would be a man must be a nonconformist. He who would gather immortal palms must not be hindered by the name of goodness, but must explore if it be goodness. My life is for itself and not for a spectacle. Okay, hello everyone. Thanks for joining me again for Platicity Podcast, episode 17. This is an interesting episode because I've been working through some ideas the past couple weeks. I felt that what I was doing with Platicity was good, but I wanted to try some different things. And I felt that Part of the message that I was trying to give of carving your own path and rediscovering play and uh, these type of things were getting a little bit stale. At least that was the perception that that I had. And I I felt that instead of just talking about the ideas, why don't I explore people that have done the things that I'm talking about or at least have written about these things. And so I've talked about Friedrich Nietzsche, 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 one of those ways, um, before in different podcasts and articles that I've written. And uh, he is a good example of someone who carved their own path. Um, and, And what I'm planning to do is have episodes particularly focused on different people throughout history and how they have gone about carving their own path, how they have gone about being what you could call a nonconformist to the regular dictates of the world that uh, is imposed upon them. And so... I have a number of different people in my mind and this will likely evolve over time, but I want to do a series where I provide a background and history to each of these individuals, as well as examine some of their works in depth and how their works relate to this message of nonconformity, carving your own path, um, authenticity, things like that. And so the first person that I've decided to investigate further is Ralph Waldo Emerson. Ralph Waldo Emerson, if we pull up his Wikipedia page, Ralph Waldo Emerson went by the middle name Waldo and was an American essayist, lecturer, philosopher, abolitionist, and poet who led the transcendentalist movement of the mid-19th century. 
this was a Ralph Waldo Emerson was someone that I read when I was in when I was about nineteen or twenty. I had followed some different YouTube creators and influencers at the time, and they recommended him. And so I bought his book called um, The Essential Writings of Ralph Waldo Emerson. Yeah, back when I was about 19 or 20. And uh, he has this one essay in the book called Self-Reliance. And this one spoke to me a lot during that portion in my life. And a number of the quotes from that essay were what you heard in the intro there. And so I want to spend a separate episode from this talking about that essay, the significance of it, and why I think it's more relevant than ever for people who are in their late 20s and 30s, the millennials, millennial generation. Um, but for this episode, I want to examine who Emerson was so that you don't just hear a bunch of things that he said and not know who you're actually listening to. And so... There's an introduction to this Essential Writings book written by Mary Oliver. And she goes through a number of different things that Emerson, like his background and what he went through and some of the dates along the way. And I wanted to touch on a few of them that I thought were, were notable. Emerson was born in 1803 in Boston, Massachusetts, and the very sad and tragic thing about Emerson was that he he had um, five brothers and, and two sisters and father and mother. And when he was only eight years old, his father passed away, 1811. And then throughout his childhood, both of his sisters died as well as one of his brothers. And then when he got into early adulthood, early 20s, three of his other brothers passed away. And then he was only left with one other brother and him and his mother, the brother named Robert. And so Emerson was a seventh generation preacher. He graduated from Harvard and Divinity School and began preaching at a Unitarian church in 1829. And later that year, he married Ellen Tucker. And Ellen was a beautiful woman, but she also had a lot of health issues and also passed away three years later. Emerson was 29, so his life was filled with all kinds of tragedy and, and sadness. And around this time, he was at a crossroads and decided to leave the pulpit. He didn't, what he had been through in his life, and for whatever reason, he just didn't agree with all of the minutia and he just didn't agree with the, all of the religious and traditional minutia of the church and instead believed that it should be used as a way to connect with ourselves and the spiritual side of life more. And so the congregation was quite conservative and they didn't like that progressive view of things and so they decided to part ways. And from here, he traveled to Europe. He went all across the continent, eventually settling in England and something about the country really spoke to him and he loved the architecture, the art, and just the environment within that country. And he made acquaintance with a number of prominent writers 
and thinkers of the time there as well, William Woodsworth, Wordsworth, who was a poet, John Stuart Mill, as well as Thomas Carlyle, who became a, a penmate of his um, throughout their life. And so shortly after that, he decided to travel back to America and from this point on lived a fairly simple life. He uh, had his fun, I guess, when he went out to England and experienced lots of different things. And now he came back and settled in Concord, Massachusetts and remarried. And he prided himself as a husband, father, writer, and lecturer. And so I, I find this interesting because I think a lot of us associate these prominent thinkers and writers, which Emerson was, because we still talk about him and read his quotes now, and we associate these people with having done amazing things. And Emerson was just an average, ordinary person. And I think, I think potentially that's the reason that a lot of his writings hit so close to home for us and we're able to relate to so much. A lot of the things that he says resonate with us because we can relate to it. And he, um, he was a mentor to Henry David Thoreau, which is interesting, who wrote the book Walden about nature and other things, and a friend to Nathaniel Hawthorne and Margaret Fuller, who was one of the most prominent female women's rights activists at the time. Emerson came out with the book Nature in 1836. And uh, I think the main message from that book was that the work of our lives should be finding a way to open our heart more and more. And he thought nature was how we do that. Connecting with things that are beyond the stories and the, and the narratives that we commonly associate with. So I was listening to a podcast about this and, and the host was mentioning that Emerson relayed a lot of ideas about people who look at nature and the beauty that is inherent in the work of the hands of God as one way of trying to understand nature and other people. And he didn't say this then, but people in the modern world with their scientific views look at the ecosystem and how everything works together that way. But at the end of it, there's all of these concepts laid over top of nature and we aren't able to just connect to this ineffable essence of it that transcends language. And so Emerson was the leader of a group called the Transcendentalists, which I had mentioned in the opening a bit there. And this group wasn't dogmatic about anything. I think what they were, if they were dogmatic about anything, it was to not be dogmatic. <laughs> um, transcendentalism to Emerson was a way to get past the hard definitions and concepts about things and instead learn to connect with the world and to this essence that transcends language. And you find that through solitude and quietness and embarking out into um, nature and just trying best you can to let go of all of these concepts. One of the ways that Emerson invited us to find this connection is to ask, to what end is nature? Right? What is the 
purpose of nature and just contemplate that question. One of the differences of Emerson to others like Nietzsche, who I'll discuss in a future episode, is that he didn't separate himself from the world. He made a point of being fully involved in a society, community, politics. And even though at this point there was a lot of issues going on in the U.S., he was vehemently against the slave law, saying that this filthy enactment was made in the 19th century by people who could read and write, and I will not obey it by God. That was from him, and he followed through. He didn't obey it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just I find Emerson to be very fascinating and inspiring his works and he ended up going back to England later on in 1847 and he gave lectures Harriet Martineau was a female sociologist and she had this to say about Emerson he is a man so sui generi that I do not wonder at his not being apprehended till he is seen his influence is of a curious sort there is a vague nobleness and thorough sweetness about him which move people to their very depths without their being able to explain why. The logicians have an incessant triumph over him, but their triumph is of no avail. He conquers minds as well as hearts. Wherever he goes and without convincing anybody's reason of any one thing, exalts their reason and makes their minds worth more than they ever were before. And so one of my favorite quotes, I have a number of favorite quotes from Emerson, and um, this idea of being a nonconformist and carving our own path is one that I think a lot of people need to hear in a world that has always brought in its views about how to do things and the way that things should be done. But the way that society changes on a, on a large level is by each individual taking a stand for what they think is right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get more into this in the next episode on the essay. But I wanted to end with a quote. Okay, so here's this one paragraph from Emerson. What I must do is all that concerns me, not what the people think. This rule, equally arduous in actual and in intellectual life, may serve for the whole distinction between greatness and meanness. It is the harder because you will always find those who think they know what is your duty better than you know it. It is easy in the world to live after the world's opinion. It is easy in solitude to live after our own. But the great man is he who, in the midst of the crowd, keeps with perfect sweetness the independence of solitude. And I think most of us should be able to acknowledge that when he says he or him or his, he wrote this at a time where women's rights weren't in the place that they are now. And so if you're a, a woman listening to this, you can just add a W-O or an S at the start of, of those words and it'll be just as relevant, obviously, to any of you. So I think that that's probably a good place to end at this point. Um, and 
Yeah, Emerson is an inspiring figure, even more so because he just was an ordinary person. And um, I invite all of you to explore some of his works a little further, if you so choose. And we'll catch all you players in the next episode of this series. Thank you. <laughs>